I love a good podcast, as you know, and I'm always happy to share resources for parents who are looking for creative, smart content that both entertains and offers enrichment for curious kids everywhere. So I'm happy to let you know about this awesome new show from the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, The Adventurous World of Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. The series explores themes that kids like ours love, like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and more. And episodes transport kids into iconic periods in history like Pythagoras's Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England. So cool. New episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a perfect length for those car rides, for meal times, for break times, and bedtimes. What I love about this show is that it's kind of like listening to a book on tape. The story is captivating and includes lots of problems listeners can try to solve. The voice actors are fantastic, and the math concepts are seamlessly weaved into the narrative. It's exactly the kind of show Ash would have loved a few years ago, especially during our homeschool years, because finding that perfect blend of entertaining and educating, it isn't always easy. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. I would say it is extremely important for students to be in control of the pace that they're learning at and in control of what it is that they're learning. You can't teach an art student marine by, I mean, you could, you, you could teach them marine biology, I guess, if they're interested in that. But if they don't want to learn that, and if they're actively against learning that, no matter how long you spend in that classroom, they're never learning it. And if you're going marine biology over the course of three years, when you could do it in three months, that's also a problem. And, you know, vice versa, if you're doing it at three months, when it should take three years, that's an issue as well. Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber. I'm so excited to have Jordan O'Kelly on the podcast today. Jordan is a 16-year-old college junior in the Honors College at Cal State Los Angeles, where he is majoring in physics and journalism and is employed as a math tutor. And yes, you heard that right. Jordan is only 16 years old. But even at this young age, twice exceptional Jordan has become a powerful advocate for the TUI community. And so I wanted to share his work and his journey with you. Diagnosed with autism at four and identified as gifted at age 10, Jordan's list of projects includes writing a book of humorous short stories called O'Kelly Legendary Legends of Legend in fourth grade, as a way to get out of doing summaries of other books, adapting the book to a series of monologues which he presented as a fundraiser for Sang, and being the subject of a documentary about the production of the monologue show. Jordan also speaks at educational conferences about his experience as a 2E student. I had the pleasure of meeting Jordan a few years ago, and so I loved having this chance to catch up with him. In this conversation, you'll hear about Jordan's journey from feeling lonely and isolated in elementary school to being empowered and becoming a self-directed student, what it's like to be a 16-year-old junior in college, how his family's advocacy and educational resource, the O'Kelly Lab, began, and much more. 
If you are raising a 2E teen, this episode is for you and also for your teen. All right, now let's get to my conversation with Jordan. Hey, Jordan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, happy to be here. I am looking forward to this, and I really appreciate you doing this when you're not feeling well today. It means a lot to me, and I'm just really excited to share your work. You have work. You're a young person, and you've already done so much in your life, so I really wanted to share you with my listeners. But I'd love if you could start us off by just introducing yourself in your own words. How would you describe yourself? Well, uh, I'm... Jordan O'Kelly. I'm a Dewey or differently wired student who goes to Cal State LA. I am 16 years old, soon to be 17 in February. And I'm a self-proclaimed, I'm a Dewey advocate is what I'm trying to say. You are such a powerful voice in Dewey advocacy, and we will definitely get into all of that. And just as the mother of a 2E 17-year-old, I am so grateful for the work that you do and your many contributions to supporting kids like you and the parents raising them. So thank you for that. And we will get into that. But I want to talk a little bit about your journey as a young person. So you were diagnosed as autistic when you were four, I believe, and you had an IEP from the time you were in kindergarten on. And then when you were in fourth grade, tell me if I get these dates wrong, but I believe that's when you were identified as being gifted. So I'd love to know how you really identified, how you saw yourself as a student back then when you were in elementary school. Sure. Well, um, in elementary school, if I had to like define my time there, I would say I was lonely. You know, I felt different from everyone because in a way I was different from everyone. And so it was very difficult for me to make friends. I had a full-time aide that was my friend. So elementary school was a very isolating time, and I just wasn't having a good time there. Learning is hard, and making friends is hard. So if I had to kind of describe myself in elementary school, I would probably say lonely, lonesome. It's so interesting. Well, I just, as you're saying that, I'm remembering that that was something like when Asher was in maybe first grade, that that came up at a therapy session, that they felt really proud of who they were. And the other word that came up was lonely. My hunch is that that's a common experience for young people who don't quite fit into the box that they're being asked to fit into. Exactly. You know, I felt different from everyone. And so I was I was kind of isolated. I, I couldn't really, like, I couldn't figure out how to talk to people my age. It was difficult. That all changed in middle school because that's when I went to Bridges and Bridges Academy, for those who don't know. And they have a whole different education model. And I was with like-minded peers in an environment where I wasn't completely stressed out about schoolwork and a plethora of other factors that made my time at Bridges much more enjoyable because I had friends now. You know, that was where I made my first real friends was at Bridges Academy. Yes, I am a big fan of Bridges. That's where we actually got to meet in person when I visited Bridges a few years ago. And so grateful. I wish there were Bridges everywhere. I'm wondering, you know, going back even to elementary school as well. So you were identified as gifted. You felt lonely, like you didn't quite fit in. Did you know how smart you were at the time? I imagine 
you were thinking about things in a different way than your peers were, but at the same time, you you had this one-on-one aid. So was that confusing to you, like where you fit in? Well, I mean, it's hard to kind of give a good answer because every kid, you know, in elementary school thinks they're the coolest guy ever, you know, <laughs> when I was just a like a gelatinous little orb. I, I would say in the classroom, I always wanted to be, I watched Cosmos when I was eight years old. And so that inspired me to go into science and stuff. And I wanted to be a physicist. But as far as I remember, I was not particularly good in any classes in elementary school. In fact, I remember being kind of behind in several classes, most notably mathematics, which is kind of bad if you want to be a physicist. But I didn't know that was involved in physics at the time. I didn't feel smart. I mean, as a child, maybe there was like a, you know, I I probably am smarter, but I would attribute that mostly to just being a child as a person, like reflecting on it didn't feel smarter. I felt, uh, you know, kind of dumber than everyone else. That is a common thread that I hear from so many differently wired teens, adults, young adults is identifying, you know, having your identity change from the way you felt about yourself as a student when you were little, and then kind of really stepping into your strengths, which obviously Bridges was a great match and and really helping you kind of lean into your strengths because you are in college now. You said you're 16. So tell us about that. How did that happen? And are you studying physics? Well, to answer that, are you studying physics? Yeah. Bridges is a fantastic school to be at. uh, And they kind of, you know, take the breaks off in that there's no work for the sake of work at Bridges. You're learning all the time, but that also makes it so you have a lot of free time outside of Bridges, and Bridges is not a very stressful environment. You know, it's not taking up 100% of your time. And that enabled me to, when I found out about this thing called the Early Entrance Program, which allows students as young as, I believe, 12 to enter college, I was like, you know, I have the time and the ability, or rather, I didn't know about the ability, but I definitely had the time to at least try for this. I want to see if I can do it. I wanted to challenge myself and see if I could really accomplish something that most people wouldn't. And so, you know, I studied for, I studied math outside of school. And as it turned out with a, with a one-on-one tutor, I might add. Um, and as it turned out, despite being kind of delayed in math, you know, inside of the traditional education system and kind of behind in math, even in bridges, studying with a tutor who would write everything down, who would take notes for me, and who I could talk to and go back and could you explain that again in a one-on-one environment where there wasn't a whole classroom of kids to teach, I was able to learn all of high school math within a few months, which was surprising to me. And I think it was at about the point that we started graphing curved graphs that I was like, oh, we're okay. I'm in the big leagues now. That didn't take long. How did I do that? And so I did that. And then, you know, studied for the other subjects as well. But math was where I really needed to catch up. And I caught up, thankfully. Took the SATs, which was required back then, but now it's not because I believe California state schools don't require those anymore. So I took the SATs, got a high enough score to get in by, you know, I didn't think I would, you know. I mean, no one ever does, I'm sure. But And then I got in. And so now I'm in a junior in college at the age of 16. Wow. I have so many questions about that, but I don't want to spend all our time talking about your college life as a young person. But I would love to know kind of just generally, what has it been like being in college? Has it been what you hoped it would be? And 
Are you still as excited about your career goals of being a physicist? Being in college, I I am so glad. <laughs> you know, I'm so glad I got to skip high school because in college, first of all, what they do at this particular program that they don't do at most colleges that I think is important is they take you and a bunch of other kids who applied, if you get through the SATs and the entrance interview, uh, they take you and they put you in the summer program where they enroll you in three classes, kind of like pseudo classes with professors from the program. And they see how you do, not just grades wise, but, you know, also being able to function in the classroom and stuff. Those were at the time I had never taken a class as difficult as any of those classes, you know? And so it was a new challenge for me. And I think it was a new challenge for everyone else in the program. And so you had to kind of band together to get through it, especially the math class. The math class had a professor who I love dearly. He is probably the best teacher I've ever had. No offense to any of the other teachers who may be listening. He's unbelievable. Like he was like amazing teacher. So extremely difficult the only time I've given my all in a class, like really dedicated myself fully a hundred percent to this class and got a C. Um, <laughs> but it, extremely difficult professor. We had to band together to get through that, you know, and I made some friends that I've had for years since then, like really good friends, the kinds of friends I hadn't had before. So in that environment, I think is a great way to kind of not only expand your social horizons, but really meet people that you're going to know for the rest of your life. So that's something important that the program does. And then also an important thing, they give you, obviously it's college, so you're selecting your classes. They give you a sense of control over what you're studying that I feel like you don't get in other education systems. You know, they trust you to make the right decisions with what classes you're going to take. That's crucial to me because that makes classes way more engaging. You know, if it's something A, you're interested in and B, you're the one who picked this class, you know, you, you have to see it through. And so I, I think that kind of sense of responsibility and being trusted like that is crucial to the whole education thing. And as for how it is studying physics, it's great. I, you know, I just took a computational physics class and I thought it was actually really interesting. I didn't expect to like it, but I liked it. We'll be right back after this quick break. I'm on the road this month, and oh man, am I missing my sweet kitties, Haskell and Lua. They've been a part of our family for more than two years, and I'm so grateful they're keeping Darren such good company while I'm away. If you're getting a new pet soon, you're probably already thinking about everything you'll need to buy. Food, toys, a cozy bed, doggy bags, or litter boxes. Something you may not be thinking about, though, is pet insurance. That's why you should check out ASPCA Pet Health Insurance. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are, because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com parenting. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com parenting. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com parenting. 
This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body, and so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. So one of my questions, and you kind of answered it, but just to go back to it, is that you said you've made these incredible friends in college. And so much of what I know I tell Asher and what I know so many parents who have kids who are not thriving in school, we're always saying, hang on. Once you get to college, you'll find your people. You'll be with the people who care about the things that you care about. It's not going to feel as oppressive, maybe, as traditional education. So you have found that to be the case. You've kind of found your people there. Yes, though, I will say I found my people, you know, through the early entrance program. And that was like a very that was meant to make you kind of make lifelong friends, in essence. I mean, a, a part of it. From what I understand, and obviously I've never had this experience, but from what I understand and what they taught us in one of the classes that was not over the summer, but semester one, which was all about, you know, getting to know people and functioning on a college campus. It can be lonely, especially during a pandemic to go to college, because whereas in high school, you're meeting people all the time, just naturally, you have to go to every class with them. In college, I bet it's possible to go the whole time without interacting with another student. So I know it can be very lonely. And I read a whole book in that one particular class about someone who um, went to a nice college, but didn't feel like she deserved to be there, felt like she was less than everyone. And that was books called Make Your Home Among Strangers, great book. And so she was very lonely the whole time. So don't let yourself be that. You know, friends, the early entrance program kind of makes it so they come to you naturally. But the impression I get is that when you get into college, you, they're not going to just come to you naturally. But if they do come to you or if you come to them, it's absolutely lifelong worth it connections. That's great. Great. Thank you. Such a thoughtful answer. We'll talk more about college another time because I still have more questions. But I really want to talk about the O'Kelly Lab and just all of the various projects you've done throughout the course of your life, your young life. And I want to start with what ultimately became the O'Kelly Lab. 
I know that you, when you were in kindergarten, you had created an all positive behavior chart, which actually you have made a form of this available for listeners as well. But can you talk about that chart that you created and how that kind of evolved into what became the O. Kelly Lab? So yes, in kindergarten, I, I was in class and my teacher had this behavior chart, the kind of stoplight chart, red on top, yellow, and then green little clothespins with everyone's name. And she would move them up and down periodically throughout the day whenever a kid acted out. And I remember being dissatisfied with this. And then, you know, I saw it was making kids cry, like upset in the class. And I just thought, as a kindergartner, that's not right. So I designed my own, a very scrappy drawing from someone who can't really hold a pencil correctly, but designed my own all positive one where you are rewarded or not rewarded. You know, you never mark down or at a baseline. And so that ended up getting implemented at various schools and in a student's IEP, I believe. And so that kind of started an idea train. I came up with several ideas after that, wrote a book that was kind of a collection of short stories in order to get out of doing summaries of other books in fourth grade. And so whenever I have ideas or whenever anyone in my family has ideas that could help people, we put them up on the O'Kelly Lab. And that's just a website or place on the internet where these potentially helpful ideas could go. I would say they're very helpful. So I think you're being a little modest, but I love that you, as a kindergartner, were like, There's, this is wrong and I have a better way. So let me share that with you. And I think that's fantastic. You mentioned the book, the collection of stories. So I'd love if you could talk more about those because that is the route for more projects that I want to get into. But can you talk about the impetus behind the book and your why for that? Yeah. So in fourth grade, I had a great teacher. You know, it it was kind of prior to that teacher, 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 where I was kind of dissatisfied in the classroom. And then a great teacher, Miss Matz. Um, and she was the one who recognized that I could be differently wired or twice exceptional. In that class, uh, she had us writing summaries of books. She wanted to encourage her students to read, and so she would have us write summaries of books weekly. Except I interpreted that as read like a 400-page book every week and then write a summary of it. I was like, this is impossible. This is not right. And eventually I just started cheesing it with like 12 page books. I did one on Harold and the Purple Crayon. And then eventually uh, that caught up with my mother. So we went in, had a talk, said, I would rather write a book than write summaries of books. And that ended up happening because Miss Matz is awesome. And so I turned that in. I turned in a chapter every week, I should say. And then after the school year, proceeded to completely forget about it until uh, several years later. I think that my memory is a little, I'm so bad with dates, but it was, I think several years later, we decided to actually publish it. And that ended up becoming a, well, we ended up adapting that into a monologue show where people would go up and read a monologue, next person, read a monologue, et cetera, et cetera. Then we ended up putting on that monologue show after Dr. James Webb passed away of Sing supporting the emotional needs of the gifted. You know, I was like, we need to do something to support this organization. 
ended up putting on the monologue show, raising a few hundred dollars for the organization. Proud of that. And then from there, we ended up making a documentary about the monologue show, about the book. And now we're kind of trying to promote that and get the word out. It's very meta. You have the documentary about the monologue show, which is based on a book. I love it. And I got to watch the documentary and it's so good. It's called The O'Kelly Legends, 2E Behind the Scenes. How did you know, at what point did you know that you wanted to document this process of putting on this monologue show? How did that happen? I think not from day one, but pretty early on in the process. My mother just started filming. She films everything. And she takes, she's one of those that takes like 20 pictures of the same shot just to make sure she has it. So she films everything. And then we ended up getting cameras in there. And she decided at some point, you know, in there, we should be filming this with real cameras and make something out of it. And, you know, we were all like, okay, that's sure. Whatever. I'm sure that'll happen at some point. Lo and behold, it happened. Or rather, it didn't happen. It took a lot of conscious effort from everyone in the family, but especially my mother, my dad, and my sister, Rachel, who kind of got pulled into the project and then ended up being a massive part of it. I was kind of uninvolved with it. I helped out every now and then. I saw you as kind of the the documentary has a star. I mean, you are the one... It's really fascinating, and listeners, I'll make sure that you know how to learn more about the documentary as well. You document your process of being a casting director, right, of casting the students who will be a part of the monologue show. You've got casting directors in there coaching you, which was really cool to see. You have casting directors coach coaching the other students on how to better audition and all of that. I found that all to be fascinating. And I'm wondering, what was that process like for you? Well, I'll tell you, I I consider myself a cinephile. I'm interested in film. And so I was like, okay, well, surely this will be easy. I just have to, you know, grade these people's performances. And I get there and I'm like, I don't know the first thing about acting. I don't know what I'm doing. Now, I would like to think I know a bit more about that. But, you know, at the moment, I was like, oh, this is time to latch on to... <laughs> Time to latch on to these casting directors. Um, and so I did. And actually, only one of them is a casting director. The other one's just a director-director. And I ended up learning a lot about it as I was doing it. And you could actually see in the documentary, I go from, oh, that was pretty good, to actually, you know, starting to kind of give baby steps in terms of feedback. And, you know, I like the way you dot, dot, dot. And so... I remember there's one clip that I find particularly funny where I go, I like the way you put the emphasis on the right words for about 30 seconds before I realize I should just stop talking uh, because I don't know where the sentence is going. And so it was, it was fun to kind of learn the ropes as I was going through the process. And I'd love to know, you mentioned that, and you talk about this in the film that you wanted to put this show on as a fundraiser for Sang and supporting the emotional needs of the gifted in honor of Dr. Webb. And I'd love to just know why is saying so close to your heart? Well, I mean, it's without them, I wouldn't be where I am. They're just an important organization for kind of letting parents, especially parents and teachers, but you know, in my experience, parents, especially what's going on uh, and teaching them the ways to make it so your child can actually succeed and thrive. 
And if it were not for their advice, I don't know, you know, I don't know where I'd be. High school, probably. So they're, they're just so important for so many people. And after Dr. James Webb uh, passed away, I was, I was like, well, there's a big hole left in this organization. May as well try to fill it with money. <laughs> uh, and, and so I, I figured they need all the help they can get right now. And they happily accepted it. So I'm happy. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. And listeners, if you, if you are new to this world, Sang is a wonderful organization. And we had Dr. Mike Postma, who used to be the executive director on the podcast, and I'll include a link for that so you can check it out. But they are such an important organization because it is, you know, that emotional needs piece is so critical. And so they really do understand our kids. They understand the challenges of being twice exceptional and navigating the world in that way. So that's so cool that you did that. We'll be right back after this quick break. If you listen to the show, you probably know that at least one in five children is differently wired. But did you know that approximately one in two women will experience hair thinning? If you're part of that 50%, you are absolutely not alone. But because hair thinning for women isn't something people openly talk about, going through it can feel lonely and frustrating. So why not do something about it with Nutrafol? Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Everyone's root causes of hair thinning are different, so a one-size-fits-all approach to hair growth isn't going to cut it. Nutrafol has multiple formulas tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow throughout different stages, postpartum, menopause, even for different lifestyles like a plant-based diet. To get your personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes, you can take a simple hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com. And because there's no prescription required, you can quickly get set up online with free shipping and automated deliveries, which make it so much easier to stick with your new hair care routine. See results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code TILT. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code TILT. That's Nutrafol.com promo code TILT. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. 
The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. So I want to shift to some of the other resources that you offer. You actually, I think you may have done this a few years ago. I remember when you first created the 2E Like Me video, and you really did that for students, correct? Yeah, yeah. So a kind of piece that I've, that I haven't, it hasn't gone unmentioned, but it's basically gone unmentioned, is that I have dysgraphia. And that means it's very difficult for me to handwrite things, especially on paper. And so that's why I would never take notes in math class or anything is because, you know, writing was physically painful. I would never, I remember getting in trouble a lot because I wouldn't write out anything, any of my work in math. And so I would lose points because they were like, how'd you get this answer? Because I would do it all in my head. Inaccurately, most of the time I would do it all in my head. So uh, I have dysgraphia and that made it very difficult for me in math class. And no one would have ever guessed that it was dysgraphia because it looked like, you know, I was just not good in math. And so I was like, there, there are other people with this issue like me, and they're going kind of undocumented. And so I ended up making that video on how I overcame that. And the answer was with an iPad, which is not easy to procure, but worth it. An iPad and an Apple Pencil or something similar. You know, I'm sure an ink tablet would probably be fine. Uh, but that made it easy for me to take notes in math. And that was all the difference. I mean, you know, for my entire elementary school career, not a page of notes. For my middle school career, some notes, but not really. For my college career, I could probably fill a textbook with the number of notes I have. So I made that video because I wanted to help students. And the long and short of it is invest in some technology because you need it. You're not, it's not fair if you don't have it. Absolutely. In that video, you refer to something called the PIPS, which stands for Pace, Influence, Purpose, and Supports. And you're such a good advocate for yourself. And now you're helping other students learn how to advocate for themselves. I'm just wondering, at what point did you feel like I get to be in charge of my education rather than being told what your education would be? In elementary school, that wasn't the case. You know, I felt like I was being kind of pushed through a system meant to make me a person who knew a set of facts. And then in middle school, I, I, I had the supports I needed and I had the time I needed. But it was only in, I believe, seventh grade that I really decided I'm going to make use of this. I'm going to put myself towards something here started learning outside of class and taking charge and deciding here's the pace that I'm going to learn at. Here's what I'm going to learn. And I'm going to learn it all before the SATs. That was, that was when I was, that was when I started making the decisions and it worked out, you know, it's, it's so important to have, I'm obviously not an education expert and I don't have a doctorate or anything. So this is just me, you know, seat in my pants reasoning, but I would say it is extremely important 
for students to be in control of the pace that they're learning at and in control of what it is that they're learning. You can't teach an art student marine by, I mean, you could, you, you could teach them marine biology, I guess, if they're interested in that. But if they don't want to learn that, and if they're actively against learning that, no matter how long you spend in that classroom, they're never learning it. And if you're going marine biology over the course of three years, when you could do it in three months, that's also a problem. And, you know, vice versa, if you're doing it at three months when it should take three years, that's an issue as well. So having students being able to set those is really important. I love the way that you said that something we talk a lot about on this show is being a self-directed learner and self-driven that we can't make our kids care about things. We can't make them learn things. And I'm just going to encourage listeners to, if this is something you want to explore more, Blake Bowles, who is an unschooler I've had on the show once or twice to talk about self-directed learning. And it is really such a powerful way for twice exceptional students, especially to really have control over their journey. And you're such a great role model for what that can look like. I've just two more questions, well, maybe three. I know that there are parents who are going to be listening to the show with their twice exceptional teens, because it can just be really inspiring for teens who maybe aren't feeling like they're in control of their education or that they are capable of pursuing the things they want to pursue to hear from someone who is successfully doing that. And I'm wondering if you have any advice for a TUI teenager who is feeling disengaged or bored or like they're kind of stuck. It's, it's not the subjects, you know, Human beings, it's taken us 20,000 years to get to this point, per- perhaps more. Uh, and it, we didn't do it because it was boring to think about these things. You know, it's, we're not being taught the right way. And so if you can look it up outside of class, let me give an example with math. Inside of the classroom, math is numbers on a chalkboard or a whiteboard that you memorize, write down, put the sum whatever. And outside of the classroom, math is the definition of beauty. Like it's, it's unbelievable, you know, what you can learn off of the internet. My point is you're, if you're bored in the classroom, you're being educated wrong and that you should take initiative and challenge yourself, you know, see how far you can get is what really motivated me is see how much you can learn and you will surprise yourself with how interesting these subjects can be when you really dedicate yourself to them. That's great advice. And I tracked what you were saying because, and it really, the joy um, came through that everything is interesting when it's relevant to, to the world we live in, right? Learning math facts on a whiteboard, maybe that inspires some people, but it's when you can apply and see how math is everywhere, right? That it gets really exciting. So I get what you were saying. That's very cool. Before we say goodbye, I do want to just ask you about your summer internship that you did with NASA. I think that is something that certainly my eyes lit up when I saw that you had that opportunity to participate in their N3 program. And I know there are a lot of listeners whose kids are really into STEM and would love to learn more about that. So can you just tell us what that was? 
Sure. I'm going to preface this by saying I've been lucky about a lot of things, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to live where I live and have a family that knows about Sing and, you know, be in the program I'm in. I am very lucky to have had the opportunity to f- find out about and participate in the N3 program. You know, it's, it's uh, NASA's neurodiversity network is N3. Um, and it's basically a new program, brand new, uh, designed by Dr. Lynn Kaminsky of Sonoma State University. Or I don't know if it's designed by her, but it's definitely run by her, um, where students get to work with a NASA scientist on some project that they decide. So if you're interested in something and it involves aeronautics, space, or I guess administration, I guess. Um, No, if you're interested in something that involves space or aeronautics or anything like that, how about working with a NASA scientist about it? You know, that's amazing. What a great opportunity. And so I got that chance. And, you know, obviously it's good for a lot of things like, you know, ooh, resume, oh, you know, lab experience. Oh, how great. It's the real beauty of it is that it teaches you what it's like to work in these fields that you're actually interested in. I can be interested in physics all I want. I never knew what it was like to work in the field of physics until I worked with the N3 program. And you know what? After doing that, I can say I'm very comfortable in my decision to major in that. I, I love this field. I wouldn't change it for the world. And that's something, that's the sort of assurance, that's the sort of experience that you could pretty much only get, especially in high school or, you know, at high school age. That's the sort of experience that you could pretty much only get from a program like this. So apply for it. It's good. It's for autistic students who are in high school. That's great. Listeners, I'll have a link to where you can learn more about that in the show notes as well. And I just have to ask you, because you seem to me to be someone who always has a lot going on, a lot of perhaps projects, even though you're also a college student, I'm just wondering, what are you most excited about in your life right now? Oh boy, most excited about Big question. In terms of projects, you know, always, always waiting for new ones Um, (laughs) or waiting. Yeah, I guess it is kind of inevitable that one's going to happen and come along and then we're going to, we're going to do it right now. We're just trying to promote the film a lot and then you know, I've got a new semester coming up. (laughs) That's pretty exciting. Uh, It's supposedly going to be in person, but it just got delayed three weeks. So, you know, air quotes in person, but you know, new semester is a new semester. And um, yeah, I'm just excited to see, you know, what's going to come down the road. Expect more, always more. You can find it at (laughs) theokellylab.com. That's a perfect way to close this out because I was going to ask where people can learn more about you. Um, where are you most active? Is it the website or are there any social media places where people can engage? There's social media places. I wouldn't call myself active per se, but there's stuff there. Uh, that's the O'Kelly Lab on Facebook, Instagram, for sure. Any social media, it's just the O'Kelly Lab or at the O'Kelly Lab. And then you can find all those socials and a bunch of uh, other important things at www.theokellylab.com. That's going to have, I should clarify the spelling because everyone gets this wrong. www.theokellelly. There's an E there after two L's lab.com. And that's going to have a bunch of resources. Look it up. It's good. It's got good things. It's got mime. There's a mime there among other things. 
There is some mime there. <laughs> yes, definitely look it up, listeners. There are great resources there. And there's so many things we could have talked about, but I so appreciate you kind of giving us a window into your journey and your world and what you're up to. And I just so appreciate who you are in the world and, and the way you really are supporting all of our Chewy kids. You're making such an impact. So thank you so much. Thank you. You know, happy to oblige. <laughs> You know, I, I would be doing this one way or the other. I love that. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. And thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk to all these wonderful people. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. If you want to dig deeper into this episode, check out the show notes page. Every episode has a dedicated show notes page on my website where you can get links to all the resources we discussed, read a transcript, and even easily go back and listen to key takeaways by using the chapters feature on the podcast player. To get to the show notes page for this episode, just go to tiltparenting.com slash podcast and select this show. If you love this podcast and want to help cover the cost of its production, please consider joining my Patreon campaign. For as little as $2 a month, you can help cover the cost of the hosting platform for this show, my wonderful new editor and producer, Andrea, and more. It's so easy to sign up. Just go to patreon.com slash tiltparenting to learn more or click on the Patreon link on any show notes page. If you're into social media, you can follow Tilt Parenting at Tilt Parenting on Instagram and Twitter. Visit the Tilt Parenting page on Facebook or join my Facebook community called Tilt Together. Lastly, please help this podcast stay visible and easily found by subscribing and leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much. And that's all for this week. Stay safe, stay well, and take good care. And for more information, visit www.tiltparenting.com. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.